Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Good morning, good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. So, so glad to be here today. I'm so excited for a couple of reasons. One, one, the Eagles won on Monday. I don't know if y'all were aware of that. Eagles dominated, no, no big deal. And um, and tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Who's Who else is excited for Thanksgiving? Come on, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love it probably because I get to eat way too much food um, and, you know, go into a food coma in the early afternoon. It's amazing. I love it. So I hope you guys have plans. You guys are ready. You guys are excited. You guys have all your meals lined up, you know, and um, uh, yeah, you guys are ready to go. And you all have things to be thankful for. We all have things to be thankful for, even no matter where you find yourself in life, no matter you know what situation, what problems, circumstances, trials, tribulations, we still have things to be thankful for. Why? Because the Lord woke us up this morning. We were we have breath in our lungs. We're able to open up our eyes. We're able to get on here and 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 do a Bible study and talk about Second Chronicles three and 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 learn about the, the the building of the temple. Come on, that's something to be thankful for. So, I'm gonna. Pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for, for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for your word. Father, we are so thankful for your word, Lord God. Your word that's always true, always faithful, Lord. Father, We all the answers we need in life, Father, we can open up your Bible, and we can get some new wisdom from you. So thank you for that, Father. I pray that you will be with us during this brief time that we're together, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Open up our eyes to new truths, Father, new revelations from your word, Father. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Second Chronicles 3, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And he began to build on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. This is the foundation which Solomon laid for building the house of God. The length was 60 cubits by cubits according to the former measure, and the width 20 cubits. And the vestibule that was in front of the sanctuary was 20 cubits long across the width of the house, and the height was 120. He overlaid the inside with pure gold. The larger room he paneled with cypress, which he overlaid with fine gold, and he carved palm trees and chain work on it. And he decorated the house with precious stones for beauty, and the gold, the gold was gold from Pervain. He also overlaid the house, the beams, the doorposts, its walls, and doors with gold, and he carved cherubim in the walls. And he made the most holy place. Its length was according to the width of the house, 20 cubits, and its width, 20 cubits. He overlaid it with 600 talents of fine gold. 
The weight of the nails was 50 shekels of gold, and he overlaid the upper area with gold. In the most holy place, he made two cherubim fashioned by carving and overlaid them with gold. The wings of the cherubim were 20 cubits in overall length, and one wing of the of one cherubim was five cubits touching the wall of the room, and the other wing was five cubits touching the wing of the other cherubim. One wing of the other cherub was five cubits touching the wall of the room, and the other wing also was five cubits touching the wing of the other cherub. The wings of the cherubim spanned 20 cubits overall. They stood on their feet and they faced inward. And he made the veil of blue, purple, crimson, and fine linen and woven cherubim into it. Into it. Also he made in front of the temple two pillars, 35 cubits high, and the capital that was on the top of each of them was five cubits. He made wreaths of chain work and in, as in the inner sanctuary and put them on top of the pillars. He made 100 pomegranates and put them on the wreaths of chain work. Then he set up the pillars before the temple, one on the right hand, the other on the left. He called the name of the one on the right hand, Jachin, and the name of the one on the left, Boaz. Amen. Amen. All right. Make sure you guys get your coffee because this is going to be this is going to be a good one. So um, Solomon is finally building the temple. Verse one. Now Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. This place had previously been identified um, as um, the threshing floor of Arnon, the Jebusite, and here it's it's specifically located as Mount Moriah. Now this this is the same hill where Abraham took um, his son Isaac up to be offered up as sacrifice to God. If we remember that story back in Genesis, and the Lord stopped him as he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac and offered a substitute sacrifice um, for Abraham. And it's on this same set of hills, right, where Solomon's temple is located, where Abraham once offered his son Isaac, it's in the same set of hills where Jesus would die on the cross, Mount Moriah, also known as Golgotha. So this Mount Moriah is very, very significant in the in the, 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 the history and culture of the people of Israel. And he said he began to build the house of the Lord. This is when the actual construction of the temple began. See, all of all of David's prior plans and preparations anticipated the actual beginning of the work. And, you know, we can plan, we can prepare endlessly and never begin to build. The Lord can be getting us ready for something, you know, for years sometimes. But if we don't actually get start, um, start the work, what's the point? A lot of us have been part of churches in the past, right, where they had a building fund, right? Who Who remembers building funds in the church? Right. And and so for for years and years and years, it's like, you know, contribute to the building fund. Hey, we're going to have a building fund campaign, building fund, building fund. Build. And for years and years, you got a building fund, ain't put a doorknob on the church in all them years. Right. But they're still raising funds. Right. And uh, that's a waste of resources. You're not stewarding the resources that the Lord has has given you. Right. Solomon did not waste what was given to him. Solomon did not waste the preparation that his father David had made. Right. Solomon began to build the house of the Lord. Right. This 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 dream, this desire that was in his father David's heart. Now, David was going to begin to begin to do it. 
Um, verse two says on the second day of the second month in the fourth year of his reign. This is right. It's probably around um, the year 967 BC, right? To give you some context, 967 BC. And then if we connect this with First um, Kings 6.1, this, this marking point shows just how long Israel had lived in the promised land without a temple. The tabernacle that Moses had established served uh, the nation well for, for more than 400 years. For more than 400 years, Israel was still worshiping in a tabernacle. They were still worshiping around a tent, right? And so you can imagine over, over the course of 400 years, you know, they've had to replace some things. They've had to re replace some of the curtains and the, you know, and different pieces, right? 400 years, that's a long time, but it still served them faithfully. See, the prompting of, of the building of the temple was more at the direction and the will of God than it was uh, um, out of absolute necessity. Israel could have continued worshiping at a tabernacle. They could have continued worshiping at a tent, right? But now God was saying, okay, now it's time, guys. Now it's time. You have all the resources. Let's make this happen. Build my temple. When it says he built it in the fourth year of his reign, this doesn't mean that the Solomon um, just delayed building the temple for four years. You know, this doesn't mean that Solomon just kind of just, just chilled out and didn't do anything. He probably started organizing the work right away. And there's some evidence that that it took, you know, uh, um, around three years just to prepare the timber from Lebanon for use of the building. Okay. So just because, you know, and it talks about when David was repairing, you know, he got timber from Lebanon. Well, that timber still had to be, you know, cut and shaped and everything. So there were, there was still, still planning was taking place, right? For this preparations were still taking place for the building of the temple, but now the work was going to get done. You know, if, if Solomon began construction of the temple in, in the fourth year of his reign, he probably again started organizing in the very first year of his reign. Now, this chapter describes uh, the building of the temple and, and all its areas. Now, there are four main structures of the building of the, of the temple. Yeah, the temple proper, which is the, uh, it says the foundation, which Solomon laid, it says in the word. And this is divided into two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place or the holy of holies, right? The next was the vestibule or the, or the entrance um, into the into the temple and that was on the east side of the temple and it was 30 feet wide by about 15 feet deep then there were um three-story chambers which surround the temple proper on the north south and west side right so so now it's, it's more like a, like a rectangular shape right and the long sides it was three stories high and then there was a, a large courtyard surrounding the whole structure. This was going to be the temple that Solomon is building for the Lord. It says in verse 6, he decorated the house with precious stones for beauty. This description is, is one of the, the many that gives us an idea of how beautiful the temple was and how Solomon spared no expense in making it beautiful. When it talks about precious stones, um, it may suggest it was that those were uh, mosaics that were inlaid on the floor of the temple. It says uh, he carved cherubim 
on the walls. This was this was after the pattern of the tabernacle. If you remember the tabernacle that that, that Moses built, the um, the in, in the inside of the tent, in the the curtains of the tent, the walls of the tent, there were there were um, angels that were were sewn in into that. Right, Solomon took the same example from that, and. Uh, he he when, when so when one entered to the temple, they saw cherubim, they saw angels all around them. And this is an example of heaven, right? Just as we would see in heaven, when we when we enter heaven, there's gonna be angels all around us. This is described in uh Psalm Psalms 80, verse 1. It's described in Isaiah 37, verse 16, Ezekiel 10, verse 3, about how angels are all around. In heaven and these angelic beings, they worship God, right? Continually worshiping God in heaven. So one may say that we don't we don't worship the angels, but we worship with the angels, right? Think about that. We worship with the angels, right? We get to do the same thing that these eternal creatures that were made way before we were, right? And we get to worship them alongside um and worship the lord it says in verse 8 that he made the most holy place right special attention is, is given to the most holy place or or the holy of holies right this was a, a 30 foot cube completely overlaid with gold and it also had two sculptures of, of angels 15 feet tall that were also overlaid with gold so, so think put try to imagine this Right, this this cubed room, and you walk in, and there's gold. Everything is gold. Everything is gold. Right? Go. You can go to go go to a movie. Go. You know, to to an Indiana Jones movie. And he walks into a a tomb somewhere, and there's gold, gold everywhere. This is what it looked like. Right? It says he overlaid it with with six hundred talents of fine gold. There was gold everywhere in the temple, but especially in the most holy place. Why? Because gold was the most precious commodity, right? It was expensive. So, what better thing to have in the place where the present, where the presence of the Lord was going to be, than gold everywhere? The walls were covered with gold, according to First Kings six, verses twenty through twenty-two. The floor was covered with gold, according to 1 Kings 6, verse 30. And gold was hammered into the carvings on the door, according to 1 Kings 6, verse 32. There was gold everywhere on the inside of the temple. Verse 10 says, two cherubim uh, fashioned by carving and overlaid them with gold. These two large sculptures inside the most holy place faced the entrance of the inner room. So as soon as the high priest entered, he saw these giant guardians of the presence of God facing him. That could have been very intimidating, right? But these angels, 15 foot tall, high angels, you walk into this, you go through the curtain into the, into the most holy place. And these, and the, and these, the wings are, are open and it's almost like they're enveloping the room. Right. So so you're you're walking into this thing where these angels are, are are completely covering everything and they are protecting the presence of God as if the presence of God needed protecting. But is more of, of to show reverence for the presence of God. No one, nothing is going to try to come in and defile the presence of God. 
right? I like to think of them as more like like warrior angels. Like, come try me. Try, you know, come in and try, try something. And he made the veil. This veil is very significant because this was this was an important barrier separating the the, the holy place from the most most holy place. And only one man, once a year, could go behind the veil and enter into the Holy of Holies. That was the high priest. Once a year, he can go in there to offer sacrifice. To most Israelites, the, 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 the temple was an unseen world. To your average Israelite, they, were, there was, they, were not, they weren't even going to get into the holy place, right? God had drawn near to them. But the way to him was was hedged with many restrictions. Why was it hedged with many restrictions? If you remember, after Israel had left Egypt and they were at the mountain, and God's presence came down, and the earth shook, and it was there was lightning and there was thunder and all this stuff, and God wanted to meet with his people, but they were too afraid. They were too afraid to get into the presence of God. They said, no, Moses, you go. Moses, you go into the presence of God. You come down come down with whatever God wants to instruct us. They were too afraid to get into the presence of God, right? And listen, we've been, we've been uh, going through the whole story of Israel, right? And how many times, how many times have we said to ourselves, y'all are crazy. Like, what are you doing? You have... God on your side, right? But don't we do the same thing? Don't we do the same the same thing sometimes? How many times have you been in a worship service and the presence of God is is thick? And what do you do? You get up, you walk to the you walk out to the foyer, right? You have to get out of there. And I hear all the reasons, right? Oh, I gotta refill my coffee. Oh, I gotta, I gotta use the bathroom. Oh, I gotta go check on my kid. No, that's not it. The presence of God is making you restless because there's something at odds with the presence of God, something inside of you that as that you have placed there. There's some sin, there's some issue, there's 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 something that only you can identify. Only you can identify. That's at odds with the Lord. And you got to get that right. Israel was so afraid to get into the presence of God that they would rather send someone else to, 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 to deal with God instead of going to the God of the universe that wanted to be in close relationship with him. Why That's why he created us, to be in relationship with him. So God says, okay, fine. You don't want to be near me. I'm still going to come to you, but we're going to have a barrier. Now you're going to have to get do some work, right? You're going to have to, like, I'm coming to you willingly. You don't want to be here, but now when you want to get into my presence, you're going to have to do some work. And that's why all these rules and sacrifices and things were put in place. Spiritually speaking, and dying on the cross with his own blood, Jesus, he entered into the most holy place for us all, having obtained eternal, obtained eternal redemption on our behalf, according to Hebrews 9, verse 12. 
Because when he died, that veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place, the holy of holies, was ripped in two. And we're not going to get into the crazy significance of that when you really, you know, when you really dig into like how big and how massive and how thick this curtain was that separated everything. And see, when Jesus died in the temple, the temple, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, according to Matthew 27, showing that through his death, there was no longer a barrier to the most holy place. Jesus came down to remove any separation from us and the Father. Jesus removes it now. We oftentimes put that barrier back up, right? We make our own barrier. We separate ourselves from God, right? Because of shame, embarrassment, or a plethora of reasons. But Jesus came to die, to be the ultimate sacrifice, to remove that separation. Amen? That is something to celebrate. That is something to praise him for. So now the most holy place is open for us. Hebrews 10, beginning with verse 19, says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. The torn uh, veil of Matthew 27 also symbolizes the broken body of Jesus that through which we have access to the, moly, the, the most holy place. And that most holy place is God's presence. We don't have to fear God's presence. We don't have to fear it. I think I saw somebody write in the chat um, when, when the when the high priest would enter once a year that um, his his he would he had a rope tied around him, and they would also put bells on on the, on him, right? And so if he was constantly making, if you constantly heard the, the the ringing of the bells, you knew he was still alive. But if them bells stop ringing, something's up, and no one else could enter into that in that place only the high priest. So it was so much more important for the high priest to have a right relationship with God. It was so important that he was right. He was consecrated to enter because if them bells stopped ringing, some went wrong and they would pull, they would just pull the body out, right? Because he was dead. All right. Let's just be real. Let's be blunt. He was dead because he did not do things the right way. Verse 15 says, in front of the temple, two pillars, 35 cubits high. Um, first Kings 7 verse 15 tells us that these pillars were made of bronze. It says, and he cast two pillars of bronze, each one 18 cubits high, and a line of 12 cubits measured the circumference of each. These were two very impressive um, adornments in the front of the temple. It says in verse 17, he called the name of the one on the right, Jachin, and the one on, on the left, Boaz, these two pillars were, were, were in so, so, so impressive that they were actually given names. Jacob means he shall establish. And Boaz means in him is strength. Every time someone came to the house of the Lord in the days of Solomon, they said, look, that is he shall establish. And there is in him is strength. It, it, it set them in the in, in the right frame of mind to go in and worship the Lord. When the crowd gathered at, at the morning and the evening sacrificed to worship the Lord, the Levites had they, they, they led the people standing in front of the temple um, with with these two great 
bronze pillars behind them. It was oh, so so they always had this 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 thought in their mind that the Lord shall establish, and Him is strength. The Lord shall establish, in Him is strength. One could say that the that the that the house of God itself was Jacob and Boaz, because the temple was established by God, and the temple was built by the strength of God. So every time they look at the temple, they knew that God liked to establish things and God liked to strengthen things. God wants to establish something in each and every one of you. And God wants to give you strength. Whatever you are facing, my brothers and sisters, whatever is that thing that is before you, whatever is that dream, that vision that he has planted on your heart, God wants to establish he wants to establish that for you. And he wants to give you the strength to go forth and accomplish that. That is a promise for something, for, for some of you guys. That is a promise. He wants to establish that dream, that vision. And he's going to give you the strength to do it. Every time they, every time they look at the temple, they knew that God liked to establish and God liked to strengthen things. When we get off this call, when you guys are done listening to the podcast or watching the YouTube video later on, I want you to go to your bathroom, your, your bedroom, wherever, find a mirror and look yourself in the mirror because you are the temple of God. And God wants to establish something in you and he wants to give you the strength to achieve it. Do not ever discount yourself. Do never look down upon yourself. Do not ever think you can't. You'll never be. You're not good enough. Listen, listen. If any of y'all know me, y'all know that Pastor Jason don't pull no punches. And I'm going to tell you like it is. And when someone tells me they can't, there's no way God will help them, will, will use them. There's Listen, uh, can I be real? I just want to choke somebody out. Because that is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to establish and God wants to strengthen. The house of God was a place where pe people experienced what the pillars were all about. At the, house of, uh, at the house of God, people were established in their relationship with God. At the house of God, people were, were given strength from the Lord. And from this building, it, 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 we should go out to the whole community. When people see us, since we are the house of God, right? The church is in us. We are the church. So when people see us as we're walking around, we're dealing with our families, our friends. And listen, some of us are going into this Thanksgiving holiday, having to deal with some family members. Ooh, sweet baby teenage Jesus that you don't even want to deal with, right? Because they are so far from the Lord. But when they see you, when they're around you, it should be as if we are shouting to, to, to the world, come get established in the house of God. Come get strengthened by God. We are the temple wherever we go. And so since, since we are the church, we're the temple, we're the house where the presence of God dwells, people should see the same thing that the Israelites saw when they entered into the, 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 the temple of Solomon. That we are established in our relationship with God. 
and we have been given strength from the Lord, people should see something different in us. People should feel something different in us. The temple uh, that Solomon built for the Lord was different from any other temple to any other fake God for any other fake religion that had ever been built. It is the most, it was the most magnificent structure of its day and arguably probably even today, the most beautiful, amazing structure because nothing was spared. No, no expense was spared. Nothing. They got the best of the best of the best. And as magnificent, as magnificent as the temple was, let's be real. It still wasn't good enough for God. Because God's magnificence is so much bigger than a building. But God still came and chose to dwell in this house. Why? So he could be with his people that he wanted to be in relationship with. We, as human beings, this this flesh suit that we wear every single day as we go about our day is not good enough for God but he still chooses to dwell with us. He still chooses to dwell, you know, inside of us. His Holy Spirit is real and it's all around us. And he's speaking to us and he's, he's dealing with us. He's talking to us. He's leading us. That is a truth that we can stand on. That is a foundation that we can stand on. So my brothers and sisters, as we close, listen, do not take yourself for granted. To never look down upon yourself. Because when you look down on yourself, you are discounting what God has established. You are making less than what God has strengthened. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the presence of God. He goes wherever you go. You are precious. You are beautiful. So when you begin to have those thoughts and feelings of discounting yourself, of looking down on yourself, stop and say, Lord, give me the eyes to see myself how you see me, Jesus. Give me the eyes, give me the vision to see myself how you see me. And I promise you, you will see yourself different. Because the Lord loves you. You are precious in his sight. When he looks down upon you, he doesn't see the wreck that you are. He doesn't see the wreck, the mess that Pastor Jason is in. He doesn't see the anger and the frustration and and and, and sometimes the rage that, comes, that, that can boil inside of me. He sees me for how he created me as his, as his son. He sees you how, as, he's, as he has created you as his son, his daughter. He loves you and he wants to be in communion with you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you for, for reminding us, Lord, that we are precious. That as we submit to you, Lord God, you go in and you begin to, to smooth out the rough edges, Lord God. 
those places in 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 our soul that that right now may seem dark and 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 dreary, Lord God. You come in, Lord God, and you 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 inlay us with gold, Father. You make us precious inside, so that you can dwell among us, Father. I pray that we will look at ourselves as you see us, that we will see ourselves through the lens of your Holy Spirit, Father. Sometimes we just need to love ourselves a little bit. So, Father, I pray for everyone on this call, everyone listening later on in the podcast or on YouTube, Lord God, that you would just be with them, Father. Remind them, Lord, who they are to you. Remind them how you see them. We are your children, Father, and we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all. Enjoy that turkey. Don't eat too much. No, eat, no, eat too much. Eat as much as you can. Listen, there's no calories on Thanksgiving, right? I plan to be on a food coma by about 4.15 p.m., right? So don't call me. Don't come to my house. Listen, don't come, right? And hey, you all are welcome to come to Cumberland County. If you are not actively serving on a particular Sunday at EHT, come on down to Cumberland County. Come hang out with your brothers and sisters, your cousins on the other end of South Jersey. We would love to have you. You know, a few of you have been there. Doug was there this, this past this past weekend, it's an amazing time. Um, yes, there will be soap tomorrow. Um, we have not canceled soap. Um, I will verify and make sure whoever it's on uh, that, they, that they're awake. You know, you know how you know how some of these Bible teachers. Never me. Never me. I've never missed one. Never. Go go away, Doug. Don't look at me like that. All right. Love you guys, and we'll see you again next week. God bless.